0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alright, folks, welcome to Genesis to Revelation here on Eurofolk Radio. And uh, we're going to briefly discuss, we uh, left off at Numbers 15. And last week I did a show on how the uh, f- the flood was local, not global, although the legends are global. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that every every culture on the planet survived the flood is proof that it wasn't global. The deluge was global, but not the flood. Anyway, so that was the point of last week's show, Dan. And I know you, you totally agree with that. But this, mm-hmm. year, th- this uh, week, we want to ask, well, bye, well, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> happy Pagan New Year so pagan new year yeah right, right yeah. okay uh, yeah well how does the new year start in the dead of winter you know that doesn't make any sense that's a pagan tradition right it's the birth of the invincible sun you know when the days start to get longer so there, there's a reason why we're celebrating pagan new year's folks and <laughs> pagan calendars so anyway um, we just wanted to cover uh, the fact that the flood was not global which begs the question how in the world did the uh, giants survive the flood, the Nephilim? How did they survive the flood? And so we've got an article here. And um, oh, okay. Uh, I thought you said you posted this article in the chat room. Uh, I don't see it there, so maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll ch- uh, I'll post it as well.
0: And I am waiting for this thing to download on my computer. Oh, article.
1: oh, I see. Oh, so oh, okay. Yeah. Um, let me see if as I can.
0: So, as soon as we get it, as soon as it downloads, I can start yeah.
1: reading it. Uh, try clicking the link in the chat room. Maybe that'll open up uh, quicker for you, because that, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so uh, I think I have to adjust the settings, because uh, the people in the chat room not hearing the uh, music too well, so... Uh, one of the voice meter settings need to be adjusted, so uh, we're getting this uh, worked out. So that uh, with this new computer, I'm hoping that I won't have near the uh, problems that I have with the old computer, which is very slow. Okay. okay. So anyway, can
0: you hang on for one second, Eli? I, yeah. Get my other computer out because this one's going oh. so slow.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll start right the back. I'll start the article. Very good. All right. Okay. And then I may have to call you, or you call me. You know, on Skype. Okay that we'll get this act going here today. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So the, uh, the title is MythologyExplained.com, Nephilim in the Bible. And I don't think there's any Bible, you know, I mean, there's evolutionists who doubt the existence of giants. And, of course, we know the Smithsonian has been destroying evidence of uh, the giant's bones, etc., cetera, etc., cetera and because uh, you know, the giants in the bible story uh throw a monkey wrench <laughs> into the uh the, the narrative of the evolutionists and they don't like that so nevertheless the every bible scholar i am aware of except the uh the the, the, the dissenters who are christians who uh, uh doubt the existence of giants well the evidence is everywhere it's absolutely everywhere okay so the question being asked here Who are the Nephilim in the Bible? In the Hebrew Bible, the Nephilim were the progeny of sexual encounters between God's sons and men's daughters. Okay, so right away, uh, that's an interesting uh, way of putting it. Uh, So uh, who were the Elohim? And uh, the word God comes from the Hebrew word Elohim. (laughs) Okay who uh, were the beings that existed and still exist in heaven, quote-unquote heaven, and uh, uh, have interface with uh, humans, especially with Adamites? As says. Clearly, in the book of Job, uh, what's his name, Lot, Lot encountered Nephilim, Abraham encountered, I'm sorry, not Nephilim, Elohim, Elohim who m- mysteriously appeared and then came and went okay, which proves that the, we can have visitations from the netherworld, which is the expression I like most, netherworld, it's it's out there, but we can't see it with our human eyes, And but occasionally we get glimpses of it with our in our minds and with our spirits, you know, and when, when Yahweh wants us to see something like that, he showed us to it, but not men's, it's Adam's, Adam's daughters, okay, so anyway, this is a... Uh, I don't know, it says Mythology Explained, so I'm not sure if it's a Christian site or what. Okay, so they are a mysterious race of creatures or... No, they're not human. (laughs) They're not human. They have DNA of the fallen ones with extremely big stature and strength that lived both before and after the Great Flood. The word Nephilim is loosely rendered as giants in some Hebrew Bible translations But left untranslated in others. Some traditional Jewish views, however, regard them as fallen angels, and so do we. We regard them as fallen angels. They later occurred or occupied Canaan during the Israelite invasion of Canaan according to Numbers thirteen thirty three. So, but they these fallen ones came and and these uh, half breed Nephilim were bred before the flood it's very clear from scripture that they were bred before the flood and so the question is how in the world did they survive now those who don't believe in the the uh, local flood theory would have to uh, assume that there was another fallen angel uh, uh, uh event after the flood for the, all these giants okay here we go Okay, I heard you ringing, Dan. (laughs) Hey. Okay, very good. Okay, so so I just went into a couple of paragraphs here. Okay. And uh, I think everybody's hearing us.
0: Can you hear me okay?
1: Yeah, I can hear you just fine. That's great. Okay. All right, so, uh, uh, and I was at the paragraph, uh, well, right under, the term Nephilim is found a total of two times in the Bible, the first being in Genesis 6, 1 through 6 and then again in Numbers 13:33, which we just covered a couple of weeks ago and that's why we, we are doing this extended study of the and I think we'll account uh, encounter their progeny the, the uh, giants in Canaan land uh, on numerous occasions, okay so the, the Bible is very clear that the Adam, Adamite women were impregnated and he says very clearly here, he's correct in saying that the Nephilim were the progeny of sexual encounters between the Elohim and, he should say, the white uh, Adamic daughters, okay? Because not all races come from Adam and Eve, only, only mm-hmm. the white race comes from Adam and Eve. So mm-hmm. th- this is our view of the subject, and so we're uh, em- uh, extending or embellishing the record here in Numbers 13.33. Okay, so then he says, however, there exists much debate on who or what the Nephilim were, with some scholars seeing them as giants and others seeing them as fallen angels. Well, they're a combination of the two. Okay, so uh, uh, go ahead. Can you pick it up from there, Dan? Sure.
0: Some even see the Nephilim as renowned heroes and figures of virtuous strength. Genesis 6 tells us about the wickedness in the world but also about human beings who began to increase in number in the old times. We're told that the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and that they marry any of them they choose. Non-canonical biblical texts such as the book of Enoch tells us that the watchers, sometimes inferred to as the sons of God or angels, became infatuated with the mortal women and took them for their own. While this concept isn't explored here in Genesis in too much detail, we are told in Genesis 6-4 that the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards, when Mm -hmm. the sons of God went to the daughters of
1: humans and had children. Okay, let's stop right there.
0: there. There's the uh, theory about the... Yeah, yeah. and also afterwards. ...over the entire earth.
1: Yeah, and also afterwards. (laughs) It says it right there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, right there. although that's not the King James Version. The King James Version says also after that. Well, after the flood, right? The, so the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also after that is the King James uh, uh, translation. And this is better. And also afterwards, when the sons of God... Now, remember, the, the Elohim are spiritual beings... And in my opinion, they are the blueprint for the Adamic race. Okay, the ones in Genesis 1 uh, verses 26 uh, through 27, where the, daughters, uh, the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, or you know, the the uh, what do you call it, uh, the white race, was created. Male and female, he created them in Genesis 1:26 and 27, referring exclusively to those who show blood in the face. OK, so uh, we understand it. And everybody else fudges the definition of a dom. They all say it means red dirt. <laughs> no, if you look it up in your strong. Oh, skin- yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and we have rednecks who have red dirt on their face. <laughs> I've, I've been known to have red dirt on my face, too, et cetera. OK, another stuff that I'm uh, kind of ashamed. No, no, no. Uh, we all get d- dirt on our face every so often. right? And, of course, even farmers, they're the dungarees, right? Why do they wear dungarees? (laughs) As to keep the the, the pigeon poop off their faces, uh, off their bodies. So, the the idea here, the daughters of Adam, that's the word that's used in Genesis chapter 6, not uh, mortals like Ish or Enosh or anything like that, it's Adam. And had children by them, which is exactly what happened. And Yahshua said, it shall be, in the end times, it shall be as in the days of Noah, right? Where there was all kind of race mixing going on. Over to you, back to you, Dan.
0: Yeah, what do you think of the, you know, when Christ was on earth, he cast out demons. Yes. Out of, I mean, he did a lot of a lot of exorcism. Uh, what do you think that many of these people who were inhabited by demons and, and the demons that exist today are just the disembodied spirits of these fallen of these giants
1: yes oh yeah well it could be any the, the source of the disembodied spirits could be you know any type uh, they, they, they could be they're, they're floating around in the atmosphere. <laughs> Right, they are floating around <laughs> the atmosphere, and most of these disembodied spirits are looking for Jewish bodies to inhabit. Right, that's another reason why the Jews uh-huh. want race mix with us, so that they would th- those disembodied spirits would have more hosts. Okay, so and oh, okay, the 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 the, the cleaner we are in terms of our what we the food we ingest certainly poisons. Uh, 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 the, the stories I've heard of people using Ouija boards. Mm -hmm. suggests that the deeper they get into Ouija board, the more likely they are to be possessed by a demonic spirit, okay? And so the New Testament is full of uh, these demonic spirits, as you point out. Yahshua uh, evicted several of these demonic spirits. In fact, in one case, uh, we're talking about pigs. (laughs) The the, the demonic spirit was uh, uh, cast into pigs, Mm -hmm. taken out of the a damic person who had these spirits and cast into pigs, and rather than host these spirits, the pigs committed suicide by running into the lake, right? So, but no, right. we, we, yeah, so alcohol, uh, you know, drugs, all these things, you know, so, which makes me wonder when you go under, you know, you're on the uh operating table what the hell are they putting in, in you to, to knock you out, right? <laughs> so I would uh, try to avoid that experience as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, th- there's no doubt that these demonic spirits exist. They're floating around the atmosphere, the netherworld, and in the atmosphere, too, okay? and Because uh, uh, I've been to, um, uh, what's that, uh, the battle, the biggest battle of the Civil War in southern Pennsylvania. Gettysburg, Gettysburg yeah, and people who go to Gettysburg they swear there's ghosts everywhere (laughs) right there's these ghosts everywhere now whether these ghosts can uh, have any uh, intention or ability to inhabit a person's body is another story right but it does happen okay Mm -hmm. so there's no doubt that that happens and we need to take care of our bodies so that that doesn't happen to us back to you
0: okay um this further links to the Enochian idea that the sons of God were some beings, not of humankind, but instead were Lord, likely angels that copulated with the mortal women and produced a new sort of offspring, a Nephilim. <clears throat> what were the Nephilim like? In the book of Enoch, these Nephilim offspring are monsters that cause terror and destruction. But in Genesis, they're quite the opposite. We're told in Genesis 6, 4, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. But unfortunately, the ex- the exploits that make them heroes or men of renown is not explored here, nor anywhere else for that matter. Now, I don't understand. How were they considered heroes? I don't, I don't remember Genesis saying that they were no.
1: any type of heroes. No, I, I think Just that's... Renown can mean... Right, confidence. right. Well, they're famous. Famous. Uh, yeah, famous. that's all it really means. Yeah. Because people feared them, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh no, here come the giants, right? Yeah. Man, heck,
0: movie stars are famous, right? So yeah, right. Make them great people.
1: Oh no, they're all heroes, like Alex Baldwin, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So how can these people? Well, I mean, there are, we've covered translations like that in the King James, where it. It uses language you know, that's really questionable, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, we see the, this uh, in mythology as well, okay, yeah
0: Alright <clears throat> Meanwhile, in Numbers 13 we see God tell Moses to send forth men to explore the land of Canaan, which he is giving to the Israelites, so Moses sent out several leaders in the many tribes of the Israelites to c- explore Canaan, more specifically, the desert of Paran The men explored the area, learning about the landscape, the terrain, the civilizations who lived there, and anything else that was of interest. When they came back to Moses, they told him all they had seen. It is Caleb from the tribe of Judah who suggests to Moses that they should take the land by force, for they certainly had the means to do so. But the others who who went with him told Moses that this would be foolish, for the people they had seen were much stronger. They state in Numbers 13:33, the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We see like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. By this, we can see where the idea that the Nephilim were giants came from. The tribe leaders had seen them firsthand, except for Caleb, who was intimidated by their size.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, very good. I mean, uh, he's confirming that it was a sexual encounter and that uh, that the, the sons of Anak were the Nephilim, which is something that uh, v- v- most Bible teachers totally avoid. <laughs> right? They totally... Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So um, Swamp Fox put another link uh, by, from the Companion Bible... Uh, This article is fairly short, so let's finish this and then go to the Companion Bible article, uh, which is, I think, probably more um, complete, okay? But let's continue here.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's see. But despite these two clear-cut mentions of Nephilim, we are no closer to understanding who they were, what their intentions were, and what happened to them. One of the most popular views is that, as Genesis states, the Nephilim were the product of the sons of God, or angels, or even fallen angels, who had relations Mm -hmm. with the mortal women, creating the supernatural beings that would be considered neither renowned either renowned heroes or giants. We see some reference to these sons of God who would father the Nephilim in Jude chapter one, verses six and seven. Assuming the sons of God are indeed angels, where Jude states, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Amen. By this, we understand that the angels left their domain, or heaven, and descended upon the earth to lust over the mortal women, or strange flesh. In the book of Enoch, we see the watchers do the very same thing, impregnating women, despite understanding this was taboo, and thus bringing forth the Nephilim into the world. Others even see the Nephilim as direct descendants of the righteous line of Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve. And this has become known as the Sethite view. It's understood that while Seth's line was righteous and walked with God, Seth's brother Cain and his line walked away from God and or found other gods to worship.
1: Now the Sethites weren't doing too well either, <laughs> right? <laughs> Only individuals, you know, the, the patriarchs, you know, in, in, in the pre-flood era but uh, the Sethites also strayed away from uh, righteousness, yeah.
0: Somewhere along the lines, though, Seth merged with Cain. Seth, the Seth line merged with Cain's. The line in Genesis that states the sons of God are thought to be the line of Seth, while the line daughters of men are thought to be the line of Cain. Through the mingling of these two lines, the Nephilim are thought to have been born.
1: Okay, now I disagree with that. Incorrect. I yeah, agree uh, with that yeah the, the, the sons of God are the Nephilim. You know, from the sons of Elohim, the fallen ones, the fallen angels. And the daughters of Adam are the line of Seth. So he's got this totally wrong. Okay, back to you. Mm-hmm. Another
0: theory is that the Nephilim were children of men who had become possessed by fallen angels. Aha. Who, and that makes more sense to me. Yes. Who in turn become demons. This sometimes goes together with the translation of Nephilim in Hebrew, which would be a similar sounding word known as Nephal, meaning fallen. And some link this idea that the Nephilim are a result of the mingling between humans and fallen angels. Yep, I agree. But again, there is no scriptural support
1: for such an idea. Oh, yeah, yes, there is. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It's right there. You just stick to the proper definitions of the words, and there's mm-hmm. no problem, okay? So um, so uh, scroll down to, uh, let's see what this author has to say about how did the Nephilim survive the Great Flood, and then we'll go okay. to the other article.
0: Okay. All right. One point of contention surrounding the Nephilim is how they survived the Great Flood which God brings upon the earth. We know they survived the flood because Caleb and the other tribe leaders of the Israelites report seeing them in Numbers 13:33. But there are a few reasons to explain this. One simple idea is that there would always be sons of God or fallen angels and that there would always be mortal women. After the flood, there would be nothing to stop the fallen angels from pursuing the mortal women again and getting them pregnant, thus filling the world with Nephilim again.
1: But how did they survive the flood? <laughs> right? Yeah. If he, he's not talking about a global or local flood. So let's see, if, let's see if he comes up to a rational conclusion here. Back to you.
0: Besides these accounts, the Bible doesn't tell us much more about the Nephilim.
1: To understand
0: more about their nature, we need to look to the non-canonical book of Enoch that sees the sons of God or the watchers of. Watchers come to earth and lust over the mortal women. And now we're going into the book of Enoch. After impregnating them, the women gave birth to the Nephilims or giants. These giants were not warriors of renown, nor do they demonstrate any virtues of heroism as specified in Genesis. Instead, these giants are described in Enoch chapter 7, verse 12, as These Nephilim slash giants devoured all which the labor of man produced until it became impossible to feed them. This shows us that they were a destructive bunch with animalistic appetites which could not be sated. It would lead them to commit malevolent acts, as Enoch goes on to say in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. They turned themselves against men to devour them and began to injure birds, beasts, reptiles, and fishes, to eat their flesh one after another and to drink their blood. Mm. Drink their blood, huh?
1: Oh, no. That's happening today, isn't it?
0: Adrenochrome, anyone?
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Big sale, on DeGren- just, just go to, just go to Google <laughs> and, and get your adrenochrome, folks. <laughs> uh, all right, back to you.
0: This shows us a far more graphic side of the nephilim, one that paints them in an antagonistic light and sets them out to be more like beasts than man. Yes. Interestingly. The Nephilim appear to be far less civilized than Genesis and Numbers suggest, showing no signs of humanity as they quickly turn to butcher everything when they become discontent. Unlike other biblical texts, the Book of Enoch describes the fate of the Nephilim, whereby God tasked Archangel Gabriel to, Mm -hmm. go to the biters, to the reprobates, to the children of fornication, and destroy the children of fornication, the offspring of the watchers. From among Mm. them bring forth and excite them one against another. Let them perish by mutual slaughter. The length of days shall not be theirs. What is meant by this is that Archangel Gabriel is sent down to earth to turn the giants against one another to get them to use their brutality against each other so they have destroyed themselves. Interestingly, Archangel Gabriel doesn't physically get involved in this vanquishing of the giants, but it is implied he manipulates them into destroying each other. Some might say delivering God's will by communicating to the giants who respond accordingly. This seems quite fitting for the Archangel Gabriel's character, one who would be seen to deliver messages and ideas from God instead of engaging in a physical brawl with the giants, something more suited to Archangel Michael, perhaps. In conclusion, we know little about the very true nature of the Nephilim given the various descriptions of them in the biblical texts and only becomes more convoluted when you consider the other races of giants in the Bible, such as the Rephaim, an ancient race of giants in Iron Age Israel. There are also figures such as Goliath, though despite being a giant, is never referred to as a Nephilim. In essence, the Nephilim, if they were giants, were a very distinct kind when compared to the other giants in the Bible.
1: Uh, That's not true because uh, Goliath was a son of Anak, uh, mm-hmm. It's a specific tribe and th- those are definitely the offspring of the Nephilim or, or Nephilim in themselves right Okay, so let's see what ha- uh, what the uh, amplified or the companion Bible has to say about this. Okay
0: right. The
1: Nephilim or giants of
0: Genesis. the progeny of the fallen angels with the daughters of Adam, see notes on Genesis 6 and appendix 23 are called in Genesis 6. Nephilim, which means fallen ones from nephal to fall. What these beings were can be gathered only from Scripture. They were evidently great in size as well as great in wickedness. They were superhuman, abnormal beings, and their destruction was necessary for the preservation of the human race and for for the faithfulness of Jehovah's Word, or Yahweh's Word. Yeah. This was why the flood was brought upon the world of the ungodly. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, as prophesied by Enoch in Jude 14. But we read of the Nephilim again in Numbers thirteen thirty-three. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, which come of the Nephilim. How, it may be asked,
1: could this okay. be? Okay, so it says right there, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. All <laughs> uh-huh. right. And uh, so, they were there. It's clear that the sons of Anak and the Nephilim are being equated here. Back to you. Mm -hmm. How, it may be
0: asked, could this be if they were all destroyed in the flood? The answer is contained in Genesis 6-4, where we read, There were Nephilim in the earth in those days, that is to say, in the days of Noah, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became the mighty men, Hebrew word gibor, heroes, which were of old men of renown, literally men of the name,
1: that is to say, who got a name and were renowned for their ungodliness. Okay, very good. Yeah, so the word heroes is being used in a negative sense, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, just, so that, just, just, yeah just, just like the uh, worldwide Wrestling, <laughs> right? It's all lag folks, the World Wrestling Federation or whatever they call it, right? Oh, yeah, that, Yeah, that's right. Joke. Yeah, <laughs> but this is not joking around. These are fallen angels uh, intermingling with uh, Adamic women. Not good.
0: Mm-hmm. So that after that, that is to say after the flood... There was a second eruption of these fallen angels, evidently smaller in number and more limited in area, for they were, for the most part, confined to Canaan and were in fact known as the nations of Canaan. It was for the destruction of these that the sword of Israel was necessary, as the flood had been before.
1: Okay, so it's possible that they were confined for the most part in Canaan. However, the stories of giants and the local people all are, these, are, these stories are all over the world in every single culture in America uh, South America Africa, Asia you name it and uh, they're referred to also as dragons the dragon people so they, these, these local cultures all had to fight off giants at some point or another and they all have stories of their people fighting against giants okay so they were all over the world so they definitely and probably before the flood they were already over the world and since the flood is local and confined to the area uh, around Ararat and um, points north okay that uh, and that's where the biblical story is is located then uh, yeah the, the Bible's only concerned about that locality it's not concerned about the whole earth but nevertheless the the cultures of all the earth have their own flood stories, their own uh, rain stories, and uh, their own giant stories. Even before the white man came to America, they found out that the American Indians had all kinds of um, uh, stories, I don't want to call them myths, stories of their ancestors fighting against giants. So it's all over the world. Back to you.
0: As to the date of this second eruption,
1: it was evidently soon after
0: it became known that the seed was to come through Abraham. For when he came out from Haran, Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, and entered Canaan, the significant fact is stated. The Canaanite was then, that is to say, already in the land. And in Genesis chapter 14, verse 5, they were already known as Raphaim and Emim, and had established themselves at Ashtaroth, Carnaim, and Shavei, Kiriathim.
1: Okay, and also Anakim. They're also known as Anakim, okay?
0: In chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, they are enumerated and named among the Canaanite peoples, Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. Genesis chapter 15, verses 19 through 21, compare Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, verse 17, Chapter 23, verse 23. Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 20. And verse 17. Uh, <laughs> chapter 20, verse 17. And Joshua, chapter 12, verse
1: 8. Yeah. And as people in the chat room are saying, that yeah, most of them play for the NBA.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think these giants were not only tall, but they
1: were just big, massive. Oh, yes. As well. Right, right. And another, uh, well... Uh, another uh, aspect, uh, and uh, this is uh, true of the cultures here in America who fought off the giants. They, they weren't especially intelligent, so apparently the uh, they were easily uh, outwitted and outsmarted, etc., etc. Kind of like in Gulliver's Travels, where the oh, uh, well, actually they they, they tied uh, they tied Gulliver up, <laughs> and were able to successfully. So if they uh, if it was little people like that. Uh, can uh, successfully wage war against the giants. It, uh, it suggests that they're not very intelligent. Okay, and uh, and of course it says here, uh, and I th- I agree that uh, th- they were set against each other. No doubt they were. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, okay. <clears throat> These were to be cut off
0: and driven out and utterly destroyed. Deuteronomy chapter twenty verse seventeen, Joshua chapter three verse ten. But Israel failed in this. Joshua chapter thirteen. Uh, Verse 13, chapter 15, verse 63, chapter 16, verse 10, chapter 17, verse 18, and Judges, chapter 1, verses 19, 20, 28, 29, 30 through 36, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And we know not how many got away to other countries to escape the general destruction. If this were recognized, it would go far to solve why many problems saw many problems connected with anthropology.
1: Yes. As
0: as to their other names, they were called Anakin from one Anak, which came out, which came of the Nephilim. Numbers chapter thirteen verse thirty-three. Mm-hmm. And Rephaim from Rapha, another notable one among them. From Deuteronomy chapter two verse ten, they were known by some as Eamid, and Horim, and Zamzumim, verses twelve and twenty and Avon, verse 23. As Rephaim, they were well known and are often mentioned, but unfortunately, instead of this, their proper name being preserved, it is variously translated as dead, deceased, or giants. Mm -hmm. These Rephaim are to have no resurrection. Amen. This fact is stated in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 14, where the proper name is rendered deceased, and verse 19, where it is rendered the dead. It is rendered dead seven times Job chapter 26, verse 5, Psalm 88, verse 10, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 18, chapter 9, verse 18, chapter 21, verse 16, and Isaiah chapter 14, verse 8, and chapter 26, verse 19. It is rendered deceased in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 14. It is retained as a proper name, rephaim, 10 times, two being in the margin. Genesis chapter 14 verse 5, chapter 15 verse 20, Joshua chapter 12 verse 15 (coughs) in the margin, 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 18, chapter 20 uh, verse 22, chapter 23 verse 13, 1 Chronicles chapter 11 verse 15, chapter 14 verse 9, chapter 20 verse 4 in the margin, and Isaiah chapter 17 verse 5. In all other places it is rendered giants genesis chapter 6 verse 4 numbers chapter 23 verse 33 where it is nephilim and job chapter 16 verse 14 where it is gibor Mm. by reading all these passages the bible student may know that can be known all that can be known about these beings it is certain that the second eruption took place before genesis 14 For there were Rephaim mixed up with the five nations, or peoples, which included Sodom and Gomorrah, Mm. and were defeated by the four kings under Sherdolimur. Their principal locality was evidently Ashtaroth-Kernaim, while the Emim were in the plain of Keratheim, Genesis chapter 14, verse five. Anak was a noted descendant of the Nephilim, and Rapha was another, giving their names respectively to different clans. Anak's father was Arba, the original builder of Hebron. Genesis chapter 35, verse 27, Joshua chapter 15, verse 13, and Joshua chapter 21, verse 11. And this Palestine branch of the Anakim was not called Arbahim after him, but Anakim after Anak. Hmm. They were great, mighty, and tall. Deuteronomy chapter two, verse 10, verse 11, verse 21, 22, 23. (laughs) And chapter 9, verse
1: 2. Or He uses the word uh, notable earlier. I think that's probably one of the better translations, the the notable ones, right? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe fearsome would be a good one, too.
0: Evidently inspiring the ten spies with great fear.
1: Yep. Numbers chapter 13,
0: verse 33. Og, king of Bashan, is described in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11. Their strength is seen in the giant cities of Bashan today. And we know not how far they may have been utilized by Egypt in the construction of buildings, which is still an unsolved problem. Arba was rebuilt by the Kabiri or Confederates seven years before Zoan was built by the Egyptian pharaohs of the 19th dynasty. See, see note on Numbers chapter 13, verse 22. If these Nephilim and their branch of Rephaim were associated with Egypt, We have an explanation of the problem, which has for ages perplexed all engineers as to how those huge stones and monuments were brought together. Why not in Egypt, as in the giant cities of Bashan, which exist as such to this day? Moreover, we have in these mighty men, the men of renown, the explanations of the origin of the Greek mythology. That mythology was no mere invention of the human brain. But it grew out of the traditions and memories and legends of the doings of that mighty race of beings and was gradually evolved out of the heroes of Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. The fact that they were supernatural in their origin formed an easy step to their being regarded as the demigods of the Greeks. Thus, the Babylonian creation tables, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Greek mythology, and heathen cosmogonies, which, by some, are set on an equality with Scripture, or by others adduced in support of it, are all the corruption and perversion of primitive truths, distorted in proportion as their origin was forgotten and their memories faded away.
1: Very good. Uh, Bollinger did a really good job with this uh, subject. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't really address well, he says there are eruption. That's I R R U P T I O N, not eruption as E R eruption, uh, coming into a being, or, or, you know, a, uh, a uh, how should, eruption, what's a good synonym for eruption, you know, coming again, right? Invasion. Yeah, invasion, that's a good word, yeah, invasion. But, uh, yeah, so how did they get here? You know, well, he says they were here after that, right? So, uh, it doesn't answer the question of whether the uh, flood was global or not, but, uh, you know, he pretty much avoids that issue in this article, but yeah, the, the reality of these' Nephilim he has no doubt of, and that's really good. So the companion Bible by Bullinger is something that everybody should possess. It's still you know a, a, base, a kind of Judeo, but he departs from uh, Judeo thinking very often in his commentaries, so it's, it's definitely a worthwhile companion Bible, a worthwhile book to have, all right? Okay. He, he really
0: did a good job of documenting everything. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is outstanding. All the verses and everything.
1: Yeah, he, he did a, a bang-up job on this, which very, very few authors have ever done, okay? So, all right, so let's get back into numbers. We left off, I think, in chapter 50, ah, uh, sorry, <laughs> chapter 15. 15, right? And, uh, oops, Okay, uh, my e-sword is messing up. So, uh, why don't you pick it up where you think we left off cuz it's been a it's been a while. Okay. So, yeah. I'm going to
0: start just at the beginning of the of chapter
1: 15. Okay.
0: Uh, and Yahweh spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye come into the land of your habitations which I give unto you, and will make an offering by fire unto Yahweh, a burnt offering or a sacrifice in performing a vow or in a free will offering or in your solemn feast to make a sweet savour unto Yahweh of the herd or of the flock. Then shall he that offer his offering unto Yahweh bring a meat offering of a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of an hin of, of, of oil, and the fourth part of an hin of wine for a drink offering. Shalt thou prepare with a burnt offering or sacrifice for one lamb, or for a ram, thou shalt prepare for a meat offering two tenth deals of flour mingled with the third part of an hin of oil, and for a drink offering thou shalt offer the third part of an hin of wine, and for a sweet savour unto Yahweh. And when thou and when thou preparest a bullock for a burnt offering or for a sacrifice in performing a vow or peace offerings unto Yahweh. Then shall he bring with a bullock a meat offering of three-tenths steels of flour mingled with an half hin of oil. And thou shalt bring for a drink offering half an hin of wine for an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahweh. Thus shall it be done one bullock or for one ram or for a lamb or a kid, according to the number that you shall prepare. So shall ye do to everyone according to their number. And All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner, in offering an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahweh. And if a stranger sojourn with you, or whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahweh, as ye do, so he shall do. One ordinance shall be for both of you of the congregation, and also for the stranger that sojourns with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before Yahweh. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that
1: sojourns with you. Okay. Hey, uh, sorry, I was I was uh, in a, in interfacing with the chat room. Which verse are you on? Because I want to see. I'm out
0: on verse 17.
1: Okay. So and so the word stranger here, my uh, KJV plus. Which uh, has the uh, concordance numbers here, and uh, strangers because uh, it's talking about strangers that uh, we can uh, that sojourn Mm -hmm. with us, and that's ger, okay? As we have been insisting all along that ger, g-e-r, which is uh, the prefix, uh, the first syllable of the word German, (laughs) a German, right? Uh, Related people. Okay, or as we say auf Deutsch, Landsmann, Landsmann, a a person from, it means a person from the same land, but it means people that you live with, okay, and these are obviously white people, okay, because there are other strangers who are to be put to death, who, Mm -hmm. who are not to partake of our and, and that's usually nokri or, or yeah. uh, what's the other word? Newer, I think, Z U W R. right, okay. Those people are not to uh, associate with us. However, just because uh, there are times where an Israelite will use one of those two terms in a figurative sense. And because they have sinned, and I'm like a nokri <laughs> because I have sinned, so you have to distinguish between literal usage and figurative usage of these words. but here it's obviously literal, okay, that only the Gare people, as strangers who no longer live with you but live in a foreign country or the, the town next to you that you never met, those are those people are to partake. Of Yahweh's ritual laws. Okay, back to you.
0: And that's really true about the whole Bible. You have to determine the context and whether it's
1: speaking literally
0: or figuratively. So yes. That's a yes. Good, good concept for the whole. Yes, the whole Bible. Abs- absolutely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> verse 17 And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land whither I bring you, Then it shall be that when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up an heave offering unto Yahweh. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering, as you do the heave offering of the threshing floor. So shall ye heave it. Of the first of your dough, you shall give unto Yahweh an heave offering in your generations. Now we're going into laws about unintentional sins. Verse 22 And if you have erred and not observed all these commandments which Yahweh has spoken unto Moses, even all that Yahweh has commanded you by the hand of Moses, from that day that Yahweh commanded Moses and henceforward among your generations, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor unto Yahweh, with his meat offering. And his drink offering according to the manner, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it is by ignorance. And they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto Yahweh, and their sin offering before Yahweh for their ignorance.
1: Okay, so uh, if you commit a sin, uh, because I get this comment question from people all the time. Well, what about those white nationalists, who whose uh, bodies are full of tattoos, <laughs> right? And uh, you know, can can they be allowed into the congregation? Well, obviously they can because they committed that sin in ignorance. We are not to poke ourselves with needles. Hint, hint. Take vaccination, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for any reason we're not to disfigure ourselves especially our DNA which the mRNA so-called vaccine does okay so but if you do it with ignorance but now we of course we don't have these ritual sacrifices for atonement anymore you have to repent before Yahweh and uh, if you don't then yeah, there's no way you're going to recover from that okay so mm-hmm. when we when we read in Revelation chapter thirteen about those who take the mark of the beast, uh, th- that th- they will be cut off. Uh, maybe there's hope for them. You know, I don't want to say that they're. In fact, I just read an article uh, that they must be listening to folk Radio because they're talking about pine needle tea. Uh, some people are talking about pine needle tea uh, counteracting the mRNA injection. One of the hopeful signs about all this is that apparently, this is only what I've heard, I haven't done a show on this yet, that the uh, the magnetic stuff, the graphene, does dissipate and it it loses its viability, its destructive ability. That's why they're giving you boosters. Mm. Okay? That's why they're giving you boosters. So do not take any boosters. If you have taken one jab, please do not get another... Yeah, the more they inject this stuff into you, the worse it will be. Back to you, Dan. Yeah,
0: I have a question on pine needle tea. How uh-huh. much and how often should it be taken?
1: Well, I've uh, I've t- done it. You know, I've s- simply taken pine needles from a fir tree outside my house when I lived in Chicago. It actually tasted pretty good. You know, I just uh, you know put them in a in a, you know, a coffee maker, and uh, or actually a tea maker. And let it soak for a while. It tasted okay. I had no mm-hmm. negative uh, reaction to it. So as long as uh, you don't get any negative reaction, I'd say keep doing it. You know, people make every tea. Day, out... you'd say well, every yeah, day. yeah. Or every other day. You know, just uh, to to you know, if it if it does counteract the uh, the jab, more power to you. Okay, mm-hmm. it uh, it didn't hurt me the, the few batches that I made. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, uh, websites that explain how to do it. And we, which oh, for. Okay. Which trees are better for it? Okay,
0: I think that's that's good information to know. Yeah,
1: yeah, for right. Anybody who's who's had these vaccines, yeah. if they yeah, because most people are taking it in ignorance out of fear, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Or because not, their jobs
0: being threatened,
1: right? Exactly.
0: So.
1: Yeah, it's all it's not quite holding you down, <laughs> right? To get the jab, but in my case, they're going to have to hold me down, you know, to, uh, <laughs> before I'll take it. Right? They're going to have to send a SWAT team in here before I'll take it. All right, back to you.
0: All right, verse 26. And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger that sojourns among them, seeing all the people were in ignorance. <clears throat> and if any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sins ignorantly. When he sins by ignorance before the before yahweh to make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him you shall have one law for him that so that sins through ignorance both for him that is born among the children of israel and for the stranger that sojourns among them but the soul that does presumptuously whether he be born in the land or a stranger the same reproaches the yahweh and the Mm. soul shall be cut off from among his people.
1: There you go. If you do it deliberately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, especially if you keep doing it presumptuously, deliberately. Very good.
0: Because, Because he has despised the word of Yahweh and has broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they found him gathering sticks, brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And Yahweh said unto Moses, The man shall surely be put to death and all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones and he died as Yahweh commanded Moses.
1: Okay, this brings up the question of, you know, this is kindling a fire because he didn't do it the day before, the day before the Sabbath. And uh, it brings up the question, well, can we cook on the Sabbath day? But this is talking about kindling a fire. So I think the Israelites, if they kept their fire going going it was okay to cook but if they had to run out and waste a lot of time looking for kindling stoking a fire which I I don't know how difficult it was in those days probably pretty difficult uh, that is uh, what upsets Yahweh okay so uh, we'll see I I don't know if anybody's ever done a study on that but uh, Pastor Steve agreed with me that, that is the case. It's a, re- a reference to kindling a fire, not having a fire already going. All right, back to you.
0: You know, it was tougher back in those days. Oh, sure. Now.
1: Well, it's getting tough again. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean,
0: all the, um, all the sacrifices they had to make, and, yeah. I mean, they had, to, uh, they had to follow the letter of the law back in those days. It oh, is,
1: man, yeah. You know, it's not like
0: today where we can... Uh, you know, just ask for forgiveness in Yeshua's name. You know, back then you had to make sacrifices.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, but if you deliberately, uh, you know, violate his laws after being, you know, explicitly told, especially by Moses, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the most yeah.
0: patient person in the world. Yeah,
1: exactly. And uh, and so Moses inquired of Yahweh, what should we do? Okay, so he listened to Yahweh, all right? So, yeah, if if you... Uh, if you have to go out and uh, gather kindling wood to start a fire, you're uh, expending too much uh, effort, just make a cold sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Or uh, I've always got a jar of pickles <laughs> on hand for that. Okay? All right. Let's continue. Right. Tassels. Well, verse, I think we can get this in. Okay. Verse
0: 37. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes. In the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon a ribbon of blue and it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Yahweh and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you used to go a whoring that you may remember and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. Amen. I am Yahweh, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am
1: Yahweh, your God. Amen. End of chapter right. 15. Okay, so uh, we see that the fringe, uh, the tassels, uh, what's the Hebrew word here? Because uh, Pastor Steve was uh, uh, big on wearing the, the tzitzit, yeah, tzitzit, okay, Uh, A floral or wing like a projection that is a for oh a tassel, fringe, lock. So I don't think there's any uh, prescription as to how long these tassels should be. Uh, The rabbis wear tassels on their heads, (laughs) right? The curly curly tassels that go down on the sides, you know, uh, which is uh, uh, quite fashionable with the ladies. Uh, I don't think it's talking about uh, doing something with your hair. It's putting fringes on the borders of of your garments, whatever they might be, and uh, it's also uh, it's speaking to the children of Israel. So it's a uh, so th- uh, these uh, these gar- what's the word? Well, you know, fringe fringe is the best word. These fringes on your garments, whether it be on your shirt or on your pants or on your robe, whatever are to remind you of the commandments. Okay? That's their purpose. The, the Jews don't use it for that purpose. The rabbis don't use it for that. They defy Yahweh's commandments. So uh, I guess one form of that, which is what the rabbis use, is they just have a string, a number of strings hanging down from whatever garment they're wearing. And, uh, but this, uh, the word fringe uh, has a, a, a wider meaning than simply, you know, a single strand, you know, coming down from from your. Uh, oh, okay. Wait a minute. Uh, it says here. I'm looking at the definition. It does say a forelock of hair. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so they do. It, it is biblical when they have the forelock of hair. So that's one of the few commands they keep. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So, but but nevertheless, uh, th- these are to remind us from for the commandments that's there, there to be a reminder of the commandments that is the purpose and so uh that's why pastor steve you know wore these uh tzitzit on his garments okay he was very proud of those so i don't know if it, uh well when he was uh, taken away to the nursing home and first to the hospital virtually all of his personal effects got lost and uh i tried to save as much as i could but uh and i still got it here that uh you know if he ever recovers then uh you know he can join us i'm hoping i've been praying for him to recover but uh all this covid lockdown business it's going to be very very tough for somebody to come out of uh a uh, nursing home and uh, find a, a place to live you know, uh, that he has to be able to um, be ambulatory and go to the bathroom all by himself okay before he can be released from a nursing home. So we're praying for that. And maybe he'll come out and see the second coming with his own eyes. I'm sure he wants to do that. All right. So I think we covered this uh, subject pretty thoroughly. And thanks for the link to the companion Bible, Swamp Fox, and everybody for joining in. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. And thank you, Dan, for narrating thank today. You. Okay.
0: Thank you. I enjoyed All right.
1: it. Okay. Thank me too. All right, folks, take care. Yahweh bless everybody.